0: Young boys screw loose, let him strip the bolts on them Should have never sent him to pick up the work for. Sprayed the bark and had my shit inside the car. Mark a smart boy was shooting with a thirty-six on. Said if he wasn't in a rush, they was all gone. Ten curses on the chest, he was gone shawl and John. They were sleeping on the garden Greetings, Chudlings. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chuddy's Corner. It's Tuesday, February thirteenth, just about ten fifteen in the East, and we just watched the celtics defeat the brooklyn nets in barclays center 118 to 110 a huge night for jason tatum but up 41 14 rebounds five assists he was pretty much dominant we are going to break down the game and more i'm your host chuddy at king chuddy and special guest host tonight we've got our boy nick perino nick how we doing tonight Good. I'm back with my megaphone.
1: Hopefully my audio is a little better tonight. can't handle another <laughs> another swirly from dugouts,
0: so just,
1: <laughs> no. happy to, just happy to be back.
0: Yes, uh, we did... we're sounding Sorry. a lot better tonight, so hopefully uh, everyone will be able to listen at normal volume, uh, not have to adjust it up and down as we take turns talking, but we appreciate Nick coming on. We're fine with giving him a hard time. Uh, He is supposed to be the tech guy, you know, he vouches and vets most of the equipment, so for him to continually be the source of most of our technical difficulties despite appearing in by far the fewest episodes is a bit of a head-scratcher, but uh, it's something we'll continue to monitor as the show goes along. So uh, before we each keep talking about the Celtics and the game, reminders as always, please subscribe to the show, like, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, uh, Amazon on the YouTube channel, and of course, chuddiescorner.com, one of the hottest up and coming websites. All kinds of content on there weekly power rankings. We've had uh, all kinds of trade blogs. We had a nice trade uh, blog about the buyout market the other day. All kinds of other stuff going up there on chuddiescorner.com. And of course, you can find every episode on every show on every platform. So please get on there, uh, check it out, tell us what you think, get involved, subscribe on every platform. The more the merrier. You can become a super user if you're uh, subscribed on every single platform. You know, Podbean, Stitcher, all of those. So that'll get you some uh, some Chuddy Bucks that you can use to uh, vouch, get cash in for uh, a bit at one of the dugouts' Chuddy Bar Parlay. So that will be huge for you going forward. Major giveaway coming down the pipeline. Stay tuned for that. Um, and also, of course, on all social medias, I'm at King Chuddy. Nick is at underscore Nick Perino. Dugouts okay. who's not here tonight, of course, at doug underscore outs and of course follow the show on every platform it's at chuddy's corner uh so again great place to interact with us love uh mixing it up with the fans we've got a lot of great fans we've had a lot of interaction lately that is what we love so uh keep it up and of course on that chuddy's corner.com you can also leave voicemails for us we've been answering a lot of voicemails lately uh we're getting some really good ones I think we got uh, one tonight about the game. We've got a few more. We're waiting to put together a mailbag segment, maybe during the All-Star break, something like that. But anyway, good stuff. Fans, heads alike, please keep it up. We love it. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Tonight's game. So like I mentioned, 118-110 victory for the Celtics. Give you the quick breakdown recap of the game. Basically, Celts came out uh, seemingly on a mission to get the ball down low. First 10 points were post-ups. Each of the starters scored a basket in the paint off post-up uh, for the first 10 points of the night. Great to see. Seemed like we were really uh, making a point to get the ball in the paint. Uh, even though we didn't have Porzingis tonight sitting out, I think he's fine. Just the front leg of a back-to-back. I'm sure he'll be back tomorrow night against the Bucks. And now uh, we'll be out uh, against the Bucs against the Nets. Sorry. Again, little back-to-back series. Um, But we didn't seem to miss him inside. It was just non-relenting, working the ball down low, uh, working on the mismatch, finding Cam Thomas, switching on to him and just punishing him on the defensive end. It was nice to see early. uh, I think the first 16 or 18 of the points were inside paint points, maybe even the first 20. And 20 of our first 23 points uh, were paint points, finally hit a three. Um, and then at the end of that first quarter, that's when we got some separation. That's when Jason Tatum came back in after his first rest. He had three threes in a row. The last one was an and one uh, on Schroeder. We were able to push out to uh, almost a double-digit lead. Second quarter, a little bit of back and forth. That was where we saw uh, Joe Mazzulla come out with some real savagery, running the hack-a-shack on old friend Ben Simmons. He had already been ignoring him, decided to give him the hack a Ben. Uh, about two possessions in a row. They took out Simmons. He started doing the hack at Clax, going at Nick Claxton, same thing. So real savage stuff. He was doing a lot of that. Celtics were running a lot of their 2-1-2 zone um, to pretty decent effect. Really, the only the only thing that was clunking it up was the Nets hitting a lot of shots. They shot really well from the three-point line the entire game. Uh, Schroeder got going. He hit a couple. Lonnie Walker kind of kept them in the game late in the first half. He is, when he gets going off the bench, man, he's quite the microwave score. Someone uh, I myself advocated for the Celtics to go after, and trade talks are on the deadline, obviously didn't happen um but anyway Celtics were able to close out especially the quarter really strong more Jason Tatum he had 31 points in the first half uh closes down with a huge three and then a run out dunk we were all kinds of points in the paint all kinds of points in transitions we were getting out we were running after stops um again they were kind of making some shots was the only thing keeping that game close at all Celtics were up 15 went into the third quarter uh came out playing more of the same really good defense pushed the lead all the way out to as much as 23 a couple times. Uh, turned into a real whistle fest both ways. A lot of free throws back and forth. We think we saw a little more of the hack and stuff from Missoula. Um, the Celtics were just getting to the line. Again, it was the amount they were picking on Cam Thomas, and he had a good game scoring, as he often does for the Nets, but major liability on the defensive end, and it was good to see the Celtics kind of keep going at that. Whoever was down there, whatever matchup he had, we saw Horford posting him up a few times. Allen, a good game, finished him with 16 points. Uh, didn't miss a shot the whole night, too. Good to see all of the starters in double figures. Everyone played pretty well. And a lot of it was honestly just taking turns on Cam Thomas. Uh, fourth quarter, Tatum on the bench, Drew on the bench. Slow start to the quarter. Uh, very sloppy. A lot of Celtics turnovers. Just kind of some bonehead plays, slowing it down. Little this, little that. Um, the Nets got hot, especially Cam Thomas. I think he had 12, 14 points in that fourth quarter. Was kind of bringing them back. Mikhail Bridges hit a few shots. Uh, saw that 23 point lead go all the way down to eight seven even six a couple times but that was the closest it got Celtics put the starters back in um ran a few good plays they got it right from six to about 13 and it was more the same as Jalen kind of bully balling his way in there for that run got the lead right back up to 14 and that's called a timeout made another run late got it close again um and Jalen had kind of two chances at a dagger that he missed but then he had a really good drive kick out and who else? Derek White with a huge clutch three, put the lead back up to nine. Um, and then Tatum had a few clutch shots and free throws to close it out as he surpassed the 40 mark. Some really good defense down the stretch again by uh, both of the Jays, especially. They were super locked in. were are not giving Cam or Dennis an inch. And those are really the only guys who were able to create off the dribble. Uh, so able to close out what I would call another, uh, pretty comfortable wire to wire win for the Celtics to bump up the record to 42 and 12. Now on the season, uh, the Bucs just lost. So we're now seven and a half games up on the box who are closer to the eight seed than the one seed at this point, Cleveland, obviously in between them is the two seed at the moment. They lost last night as well. So I think it's a five and a half point cushion for the Celtics on the one seed, obviously one game left before we head into the all-star break. So all pretty good stuff. Nick, where do you want to start? Just see. So yeah, it was kind
1: of just like a taking care of business game, you know, in my opinion. Um, it was you know, well the the you know, Brooklyn fought all the way to the end pretty much and
0: um They
1: wouldn't go away. You no, know, like you Yeah, they wouldn't go away. And like you said, Cam Thomas is <laughs> like quite the little scorer. I mean he's kinda of like he seems like kind of a quintessential, like scoring six man, like microwave scorer. Like if he if yeah. he's on a good team, that's probably what his idea right. it would be like a like a Joe Crawford type of player or something like that, <laughs> Jamal, uh, Jamal, Jamal Crawford, <laughs> Crawford. yes, Joey yeah, we Crawford the no,
0: ref, not the referee,
1: um, but yeah, no defense uh, doesn't do much no pa- no passing,
0: no <laughs> passing, yeah, doesn't it's pass, literally doesn't if you need defense, scoring just... and nothing else. That's your guy,
1: exactly. So, but either way, he's got balls and he he hits big yeah. shots, but um, he does, yeah, but it's basically you know. We pounded the paint early, um, took advantage of the matchups, a lot of which were on Cam Thomas. Uh, We just, you know, it opened up some threes after that once we started, you know, establishing our dominance down low. Um, And then it was really just, you know, an elite team like us, kind of just like going through the motions, taking care of business. Um, And, you know, I I know Brooklyn's not – I think they're right on the bubble for the playoffs um, at this point. 11th right now, but yeah. Eleventh right now. They're eleven, so, but I think that was like a game, game and a half. On the Hawks, for ten. Yeah, so they're they're a decent little team, but I mean, I think we just came in, did what we needed to do. Um, Tatum was obviously special, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it was almost like, I mean, you look at like the box score, the rotation was almost like playoff like minutes. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know if it's just because like we're going into the All Star break, so we could handle, they could handle, you know, a couple extra minutes here mm. and there. But it was like no five, Porzingis, obviously. Minutes. Yeah, no, of course, Angus, obviously, but 35-plus minutes for all the starters. Not a big bench game. Um, Cornette gave some good minutes, I thought, but I think he's always pretty – Cornette's always solid. Um, mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: Pritch and Hauser, um, you know, they were there. Didn't really contribute much. <laughs> yeah, didn't, it didn't really do much. Beat him. I... Uh, Brissette was his normal scrappy self, but, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was mostly just the five starters um, just taking care of it, mm-hmm. So Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean other than that, I thought, you know, the uh it was another also another quiet game for Derek White until fourth quarter <laughs> when he needs to hit some big three. Yeah, it seriously. Always the case. I think he had like I don't know, he had like what, three, six points or something going into the fourth. He didn't have many. And then no. uh I was looking at like I was looking at his box score and I was like, geez, he's like it's another rough shooting night for him. And then all of a sudden the Brooklyn gets it down to six points. And then right away, go to Derek White, hits a three. And then that yep. sort of right of the ship again. And then Brooklyn <laughs> goes on another run, gets it back down to six. And then Derek White hits another three. So,
0: yeah, you know, he's, what
1: a luxury. he's just like, he's just a professional. And he's always there. He's always clutch. He's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it doesn't, that's another that's the thing we always talk about with Derek too. It's like, even if he doesn't like the box score, he's doing other things. Um, so it's just another good uh, Opportunity to appreciate Derek White for me, anyways. yeah. But um, no, yeah, definitely a two of the clutchest shots of the night. And, yeah, I liked, I liked what I saw, um, and I think you, you touched on the zone as well too. It really seems like the Celtics are really workshopping the zone for some reason. Um, and I'm glad they are. It's obviously like the right time to do it, but I am interested to see, you know, what they're
0: what they're saving it for, what they're planning it for. I mean, it's I some, mean, I it's don't, like some, some <laughs> Scal was saying it really. was some like grand scheme. I don't, I don't think, I think it's just another look that they're practicing and they'll use it yeah. at times to just mess with. I don't think there's some like secret plan at the end. that They're all going to be like, Oh, that's what it was for. I think it's just like a defense that's looked really good at times. And at times has not looked so good. And if we can get it to a point where we can rely on it and like, again, just throw the team off for a few minutes. Like, sure. That's something. Why not try it? You know, I think. Uh, I think it's looked really good at times. Um, and again, it's like, yeah, it, it seems like when teams can like shoot us out of it, sometimes and there's been a couple times where it looks sloppy, but again, like that's why you practice it and to be able to have more options to throw teams in the playoffs, like great. And if not, oh, well. Yeah. No, and I, I think, I don't think there's like necessarily some grand scheme,
1: like was saying, but <laughs> um, they're definitely putting an emphasis on figuring out multiple ways to guard people. So I think it's like, yeah, they want to, they they have something in mind. I think for you know being able to throw like you said different things, different defensive schemes at different people throughout whatever the playoffs and um, playoff run and everything. So um, yeah, you know I'm sure they're doing it for a reason, and I'm happy they're doing it now. And it looks good. And if we can really you know really lock in on it by the time the playoffs come around, it's going to be another huge weapon that we have um, to throw at you know some
0: of these elite teams. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah like i said just to mix it up just to give them a different look and take them out of a rhythm it doesn't have to be like you said some like secret weapon that's gonna change everything but you know you just kind of want to keep making adjustments keep keeping other teams on their toes and not let them get too comfortable and you know that's exactly the kind of thing you can do for two three possessions just to make them think twice and just kind of throw off what they're trying to do on the other end so i think that's it's more of that than any like (laughs) magic light at the end of the tunnel type thing for this zone so That's kind of where I'm at with it. One of the bigger parts of the zone, of course, Drew Holiday, who's usually in the middle. He was again, great tonight, 14 points, season high, 12 assists. I think he had five rebounds too. Uh, another guy, much like Derek, uh, Drew didn't have as many of the clutch shots tonight, but he was just rock solid the entire game. Um, He's so good at kind of knowing when that mismatch is there and going right into the post. Like he plays, he'll play like a center on offense when he gets someone like Cam Thomas on him. So you saw that a few times where he just backed him down right under the hoop. He'll lay it in, score around the hoop, hit a clutch three when needed. And um obviously it was great with his passing tonight. Um So really, again, all the starters kind of had their moments. But at the end of the day, all about Tatum, um, doing it on both ends, I think. Was this, uh this seemed like it was maybe like uh, Jason... Yeah, I saw your cute little straw pole Tatum kind of game tonight where uh came out and made a little bit of a statement after seeing those latest MVP results. I don't know. Uh, but he was just awesome. Um, doing it all again with against a team where the Nets like they're not great, but they do at least theoretically have a bunch of guys who should be designed to guard players like Tatum is one of their strength. Like obviously McHale bridge is one of the best in the league. Ben Simmons. He can still defend his ass off. Dorian Finney Smith even is like a big defensive wing. Uh, but those guys were not bothering Tatum at all. He was getting downhill, getting into the paint, finishing around the rim. Then he obviously got the three ball going. Uh, he was hitting that he was hitting from the mid range. Um, he had that one play where he just posted up and did like a almost half spin drop step, like two handed Tomahawk slam. I think Scal said it was like a shack, like move. And it really, it honestly was, was, uh, crazy to see him doing that stuff down there just like no regard for any of their uh so-called rim protectors on the net so really cool and then again even with the 41 points to me so much of the stuff he's doing playmaking with it where it's like it was such like an efficient and 41 done like the right way barely any heat checks barely any like ice wing and just taking things over he was kind of taking what the game was given to him um and he still had a lot of I thought great playmaking plays and I think because they have all those guys, they weren't sending as many doubles as usual on him, which is probably why he did end up, uh, you know, scoring so much. But every time they tried to throw something at him, he was making the right play. He was finding the guy who had the matchup um, and he was passing whenever extra help was thrown his way. Another thing I'm not sure we've talked about uh, that he's really kind of just like quietly incorporated into his game is that like whenever the double comes He's got that one-handed, off-the-dribble, behind-the-back bounce pass down to, like, a science. Uh, he just does that so casually, like, on the move every time the double comes. He will either hand, uh, behind-the-back, one-dribble, bounce pass. He did it a couple times tonight. One hit Al like, perfectly for a wide-open elbow three as he was driving. Um, and it's just, like, little ways he gets better. And, again, if you look at the stretch of his career, like, this is the by far the best and most consistent stretch of games he's had with these kind of assist numbers that he's putting up. And uh, I think he only had five tonight. But, again, these 41 points are ridiculous 14 rebounds with no KP in there. He's in there uh, rebounding his ass off, defending his ass off. Uh, five assists is low for what he's had recently. But again, I thought it was a really good passing game. So he is just absolutely doing it all on both ends. And monster Tatum, I, so good to see. He's uh, he's rolling right now.
1: Yeah, Tatum's defense was something I wanted to definitely point out tonight. Um, and, you know, this was kind of just like a microcosm of this whole season. But he really is... Elite defender. And I mean, I think if he has just as good a case as ever to make all NBA defense this year. Um, Not going to happen, but yeah. agreed. I think he has a case.
0: but I think Brown might um, make it over him. But yeah. Anyway. You think so? Maybe. Um, I feel like Brown's been more kind of getting attention for taking on like the biggest matchups. But yeah, Tatum has been like a stopper, especially in the stretch when he kind of down the stretch of games and clutch time. But I, mean, I just don't think I've it got just, the recognition. <laughs> to watch,
1: you know, it's. He uses his feet so well to go, you know, lateral, laterally, vertically, whatever. Um, but he doesn't bite on pump fakes, which he and he just uses his length basically um, to, you know, just like stay with the players. He's a very patient defender. He's all in the, always in the passing lane. Um, he's just like his patience on defense, I think, is why he's uh, so good. And obviously his strength too, because, you know, he can stay. He's fast enough where he can stay with the smaller guys and he's strong enough where he can, you know, Bang with the you know the bigs or whatever, but uh, his defense has just gone to a whole other level as as well as pretty much every element of his game this year. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's he's finally I think maturing and developed into that guy. And I mean, it's like it's it's all gonna come down to you know if he wins it all or not. And I think that's kind of yep. He said that himself. What uh, <laughs> um, do you mean? That's well, that's, that's a testament morning, to America, where he has
0: it's a testament to where he has at his career that that's, you know, yeah. that's the level that the elite of the elite players are judged on. So, you know, that's like, that's what comes along with the territories being held to that ridiculous standard. So again, that shows yeah. kind of his place in the league where he's at the, he wants to be at the highest of highest levels. And yeah, to do that, you do have to win it all. Yeah. You can't like, he's at the point where he's so good
1: that people won't consider <laughs> him to be any better unless he wins it all. So it's like, right. He could progressively get you know his game get improve every year, but if he doesn't yep. win a championship, people are going to be like, "Yeah, I mean, he was really good." <laughs> but but uh, whatever show he was on, he said, "You know." I think he, it was Good Morning was America. Good Morning America, yeah. So I mean, he he gets it. I mean, I think he's uh, you know, he wants to win it as much as anybody, and I don't know if there are people who have questioned his, uh, you know, in the past have questioned his potentially his commitment to winning and you know what was really important to him um, and I think you know this year and last year he's just shown everybody that winning it all is his ultimate goal um, yeah you know, I just I don't think I, I just don't think there's any other way to to say it to you right yeah
0: now. No, I mean, leading with, like you said, defense and wanting to take the other team's best players down the stretch of games and shutting them down, taking on that responsibility and, you know, rebounding too, which is obviously a huge part of defense, especially when it's very important to this team, as we've seen the Celtics get themselves into trouble, uh, allowing O-boards left and right at times in some of our worst games. So to see Tatum, especially, again, on a night where he is the center of attention on offense, for all those points, to be focused down there, snatching up 14 rebounds, most on the defensive end, like that's another yeah. another huge sign of kind of where he's at as a player and why he is so dominant again i mean it's funny in this modern age of ridiculous stats 41 14 and 5 satellite line around, like yeah like know. yeah he had, a, he had a nice game like nothing yeah, special so, you yeah. know like this is yeah. a time where that would have been like an iconic performance we're just like yeah he had a pretty good night and <laughs> uh,
1: what was the pregame they said he's been he's averaged seven assists over the last seven games or something like that yeah. there you go insane i think people are really overlooking his assist numbers the last, yep. you know, couple of weeks, um, which I think, you know, not necessarily assists like the box score assist, but when you watch a game, I think that's usually when uh, you can tell a player is taken to the next level is when they've learned to uh, mm-hmm. make their yeah. other teammates better. We saw, yeah. we saw glimpses of that last year. And I think it's just elevated to a whole new level this year where, yeah. um, I mean, no, know, he's on, he's, he's on another level we've it to death on this podcast, but, um, <laughs> But he's yeah. I mean, it's just. I think people need to appreciate his passing and uh, playmaking ability. Um, Same with Jalen. No, that's. I mean, yeah. Everybody on the team could pretty much do it at this point. I think that's one of the reasons why we're so Mm -hmm. deadly on offense. So uh, yeah, it's you know it's a nice and and if he starts from the top like like with Jalen with Jalen, trickles all the way down to the bottom makes people less selfish and makes players want to you know root for each other and see each other succeed. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's the ultimate mark of a champion. So
0: no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um both of those guys, the playmaking leaps that they have taken. And again, when the when the thing when it did get down to six for the first time, it was kind of Jalen who we put the ball in his hands and we're running the offense through him. And again, he did a good job, got right into the lane. Um another, he was only one for six tonight, shooting threes, and he had that one possession where he had the missed the three rimmed out offensive rebound bat same shot rimmed out again it was just brutal uh kind of shows the slump he's been in from the three-point line but again the shots continue to look good i continue to like the shot diet he's taken they're gonna start falling it at some point and um you know despite kind of the three-point shooting slump like it's still it looks automatic when he's getting in there in the mid-range he made a bunch of kind of long medium range mid-range shot and he's still getting to the basket and even with one for six he still was like you know, not super inefficient from the floor. So he's not really letting him be affected. He had a a couple of uh, rough turnovers that I didn't love down the stretch, but a couple of them were just offensive fouls that I thought were tough calls and kind of just a result of him being aggressive. I mean, that one on Schroeder in the last minute was could have easily been a flopping technical. I hate to see that when Brown was just kind of being physical. Um, but a lot of whistles tonight, a lot of whistles. Uh, but overall, kind of just a little nitpick there, I guess. Um, again, you know, just a solid, solid win on the road. Again, up as much as, I think, 23 points. Denver got closer than six. Um, so again, I don't want to hear anyone talking about how the, oh, they cut it close. Again, every team oh, makes a have- run you're gonna hear about this is a good team like you said a team that could make the play in play playoffs they're playing better since the trade deadline like not a bad team they got hot uh they shot you know better percentage than we did for free they were up over 40 percent for the game shot themselves back into it um yeah, Celtics had a few moments of lapses, but again, the game got tight. And uh, like you said, cut it down to six with eight minutes left. And from there, we won the last seven and a half minutes by two points. Did enough to win another uh, road win for the Celtics. That's five road wins in a row now. I think five, also a five-game winning streak overall. So it's uh, every critique is is really a nitpick at this point. But
1: Ben, we played down to our competition. We only beat the Nets by eight, <laughs> eight points.
0: Yeah, I know. This, a, this is uh, an unforgivable sin. Right. Clearly when we see the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals and we're not able, to, when we come out flat, um, you know, that's going to be, it's going to be really rough. I'm an <laughs> asterisk on this win at least, at the very least. Yeah. Moral victory. Uh, so I think if you, if you go by the moral result of the game, the Celtics fell to, uh, I think we're like 19 and and. I don't know, 32 on the season or something.
1: 19 and Not 33 on the
0: season with another moral victory slash losses. So, yeah, it's been a tough, tough year for the Celtics. I don't know how they could uh, possibly overcome that or how anyone could have anything good to say about the team. You know, it's pretty baffling. Uh, um, Anything me, uh, else about this one? Yeah,
1: so um, the only thing I really wanted to bring up was Al Horford. I thought he had a great game. Um, he sure did. And his, it's just such a luxury to have... You know, I feel like we say the same thing on the pod all the time about these guys, but it's like it's the truth. You know, mm-hmm. when KP's out, you have you know no reservations about who's going to fill in behind him. It's like not worried at all. Obviously, you want KP out there every game if you can, but yeah, just knowing that we have Horford that's going to slot right <laughs> in and be you know more than he's probably he'd probably be a starting center on you know most teams in the NBA. So yeah, um, and just he's <laughs> playing with such energy and youth. Um, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. And he, he always it's... makes the right plays defense. I think has been just as good as ever. Um, yeah, and, yeah, definitely. You know, cause he's, that's pretty much the biggest, it's pretty much what we're asking to do more than anything, but I've heard, um, I've heard some very intelligent basketball people say that they're, they were concerned about Al's defense, uh, really? in, in the recent past. Hmm. Um, and I, I pushed
0: back. I was like, I don't know. I'm I'm seeing the exact opposite. Um, <laughs> I so, think he can still know, he can still dig deep when he needs to. Um, yeah, I don't. Know, maybe it's not as, as consistent deep. every night. But
1: people, I think a lot of people think like you know, if at times if Al gets blown by by a smaller, faster guard, they're like oh God, he's washed. He's old. It's like <laughs> no, I mean that's gonna happen when or right. You know that's gonna happen once in a while. And the fact yeah. that he can stay with these guards and keep up with them, you know, more often right. than not is good. The I fact mean, we're still able to gonna...
0: switch him onto those guys and, the, and live with the results is the right. Thing.
1: He's he, there's basically, he's bad. making people he's work had, still for baskets. He's never at a major disadvantage, which is the mark of a good right. defender, um, mm-hmm. especially a good switchable defender. So I think yeah. it's another, you know, super high bar that has been set for the Celtics. Um, you know, just on a smaller scale, um, but for yeah, sure, love what Al's doing. He's always making the right plays. Good, yeah. He's you know, he's Al. He's consistent. He's steady. He's love what yeah. he's done for us. And he's um, don't yeah, take man, Al for granted. No, don't take Al for granted. And kind of goes along with like the whole Drew Holiday thing, where you know he's probably you know they probably getting the yeah. least amount of credit for, <laughs> for you know the top six sacrifice on the, on the team right now. They've sacrificed a lot. Um, yeah. And they're just like playing their asses off
0: and playing well. So mm-hmm. Um, yep. Al had a huge basket tonight on that, uh, post up where he had the mismatch immediately spun to the basket. The help came and he kind of finished mm. with that like awkward scoop layup over the both all guys, a huge layup. basket down the stretch. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier, but Al Stallone of the night, 16, six and four, six of six from the field, uh, two of two from the free throw line. Like just didn't just almost like a perfect role-playing game from Al, uh, all the way around. Gotta love it. Uh, one of the things Celtics were, Pretty dominant tonight. Points in the paint. I think they had 50 points in the paint. Came out and scored. 20, like I said, 20 of their first 23 points in the paint tonight. Ton of post ups. And uh, I don't know if you caught it, but the announcers Drew and Scal, were uh, throwing not so subtle uh, indirect shots at Kendrick Perkins all night. Did you Did you catch that for Perkins uh, calling out the Celtics? Well, Perkins I think was went on today and was calling out the Celtics, saying they need to post up more. Um, And they don't post up enough, and everyone kind of came back at him showing him the Celtics' post-up numbers, how they're, like, second in the league, only behind Jokic. um, And Drew, like, is first in the league for post-ups for guards. So they hit him with all these stats, but it seemed like – and we know because we've heard Joe take some shots before that – we know he kind of hears that stuff. So forced to wonder if he came out tonight and was purposely trying to stick it to Perk with all those post-ups and points in the paint. But, um, I mean, mean, we can do it all. Perk
1: Perk doesn't let stats get in the way of a hot take, so. Right.
0: Yeah, and that's I'm sure amazing. he'll now go on and uh and take the credit for you know oh they heard they heard my complaints oh, and now plan. they're now that yeah right exactly so I uh, thought that was funny and they made they made multiple comments going at they saying you know they didn't reference him by name but uh, if you know you know kind of there was a lot of uh, perk shade tonight by both uh both guys so we like hearing What's that on the broadcast that's fun Drew
1: um Drew asked him in the pregame interview too with uh. Joe Missoula. I don't know if you heard mm. that, but he asked him about the post-up numbers. If that was like um, something that they were working on yeah. one way or the other this off-season, or if it was like a result of KP coming in, and if that was like, or I don't. Basically, just talking about. It, <laughs> I'm sure that's why they asked him. Um, mm-hmm. they started the whole Perkins troll right from the get. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when they're in the post, they're they're dangerous and. Usually their best games come when they're playing inside out. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Well, they had the matchups tonight. You saw it all in the first half. Getting it inside, getting it outside, getting it going in the fast break game. And that's, again, you know, it's 72 points in the first half. Took our foot off the gas a little bit in the second half. Didn't play as well uh, with as much pace and purpose. Only scored 46 in the second half. But, again, enough to win um, and scored, you know, the points to put them away when we needed to. So, solid effort. Yeah, could have probably gone out there and scored 130, 140. But didn't need it. We've got to come back and do it again tomorrow night. Yeah, these, these 70 um,
1: seventy burgers in the first half are really starting to
0: yeah crazy. What was the I mean, what was did... the Dick life stat? Is the thirteenth or something of the season, yeah, which tied a franchise time record of the
1: season. The Celtics have scored at least seventy points in the first half. This that's match crazy with a franchise record set during the fifty nine sixty season.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's so uh, that's pretty good.
1: One more, one more, and we'll uh, have that record there. <laughs> sixty four
0: year old record. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, and another thing that feels like we've almost like taken for granted that used to mean something, yeah. <laughs> and now it's just like something that happens almost borderline regularly. So, pretty yeah, cool stuff. If, score, um,
1: if we don't score seventy, I feel like something's off.
0: If we don't score <laughs> sixty,
1: I'm like, this is a disaster. We're up.
0: broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, That's uh, that's yeah, true. So, the bar has been raised, no
1: doubt about it. I mean, you gotta you gotta raise it throughout the season. I mean, if you're playing, you gotta <laughs> shoot higher.
0: You gotta keep shooting higher. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so but uh they keep doing it so good for them um you mentioned joe and his uh game interview and some stuff i think we had a voicemail about uh so with some of his tactics and some other stuff uh is that right yeah should i fire it up yeah so who is this from so we got this
1: hot off the press from let's see dante and lynn okay all right dante what do you what do you got for us yeah,
0: how you doing? Uh, first time, long time. Uh, saw a little bit of Psycho Joe tonight, uh, so it just kind of begs the question, would you rather fight one Joe missoula sized chicken or 15 uh, chicken-sized Joe Missoulas? Uh I'll go ahead and hang up and listen. Thanks. Okay, that's uh, an interesting hypothetical there. Thank you, Dante and Lynn for the call we obviously appreciate all our fans mentioned uh how much we appreciate the interaction and engagement again you can leave voicemails for the show at chuddiescorner.com. you'll see the little voicemail icon in the bottom right corner you can uh riff at us you can talk about the game you can vent you can uh basically talk about anything you want including some of these hypothetical questions so I'm pretty sure uh, what Dante was referring to with Psycho Joe was how we mentioned all the uh, the kind of hacka Simmons and hacka Clacks he was doing a lot in the first half. Um, it did feel a little bit savage. I mean, it's a good, it's a fine tactic. I think they went four for six from the line, so it didn't end up totally paying off. But I mean, it's it's a good thing to throw at people. It is definitely a little bit of a psycho move. So um, I guess uh, inspired by that psychoness, the question was if you'd rather fight one. Chicken, the size of Joe Mazula or 15 Joe Mazzulas, the size of a chicken? Uh, Nick, I'll give that one to you first. I mean, I don't even think it's close. Obviously, I don't want to fight 16
1: Joe Mazzulas of any size. <laughs> I mean, one, one uh, Joe Mazula sized chicken doesn't know jiu-jitsu, um, so I'm pretty sure I could at least outsmart it. But um, yeah, no, those 16 Joe Mazzulas would fuck me up pretty good, I'm sure. So um, I'm going yeah. with the one large chicken I'd rather fight.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd like to disagree with you here and get into a bit of a debate, but I'm just not sure how I can. Like you said, I mean, can you if you can imagine a coordinated team of mini Missoulas all doing different <laughs> jujitsu moves on different parts of your body, that just sounds miserable. And I think like a, an army of small Missoulas would be actually super yeah. deadly. So that's a, that's kind of a horrifying thought. I think you'd need it to probably be at least three of the Missoula-sized chickens before I'd actually maybe start to consider. But um, yeah, 15 you know those- of those little... Joe mazulas I, I i wouldn't even know where to begin. That'd be hell. You know, those
1: little Mazulas would <laughs> scratch and claw and bite and everything too. They would, you know, sh- they would show no mercy.
0: So yeah, um, yeah, that doesn't sound
1: like a fun fight at all. Yeah, so that's that's where I stand. I think we're on the same page there. And thank you, thank you, Dante, again for the yeah. phone call.
0: Yeah, yeah, we snob, love the. Voice uh... mailbox
1: is filling up. It's it's uh it's a lot of fun. I mean, we're like we keep saying we're gonna keep getting to it more and more. Um, I think maybe hopefully we'll bang a few out during the. I'll start bringing mm-hmm. We have some more time, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Drop a, drop a <laughs> voicemail.
0: Yes. Uh, thank you again, Dante and Dante. If you're listening, uh, love the hypothetical. See, see if you can get one, you know, that'll give us a little more, a second thought. Again, I just think, uh, 15 little Joe Mazzullo doing jujitsu is, is probably too much to, to rival there. So again, thanks for the call. Um, we appreciate it and we love psycho Joe and we love our fans like Dante and Lynn. So thanks again. Um, All right, are ready to move on to some around-the-league topics?
1: Yeah, let's
0: do it. You got anything uh, specific you wanted to bring up for around-the-league, or want to hear me riff on mine? No, no, this is all you. I'll riff on (laughs) All right, well, uh, not much. We get kind of, like, lingering slop after the trade deadline, but Mark Stein did put out a pretty interesting report this week that I thought had two interesting nuggets in it. One, uh, kind of uh, putting a bow on the story about the Hawks keeping DeJounte Murray and how he believed that from what he was hearing around the league, there's a at least a pretty good chance that the Hawks after this season will actually look to keep Murray and trade Trey young, which I thought was a fascinating report, but also like not that crazy. Um, I kind of don't hate it. I think, you know, young is better, but he presents a lot of unique challenges in building around him where kind of the rest of the team has to be built a really specific way. And that I think it's proven to kind of be hard. Whereas Murray is probably not as good, at least on offense, but he's you know, bigger, better defender, cheaper, um, is under team control for a few years. Like it's not the craziest decision if they kind of have a plan there. And then I'm sure in the trade market, they probably get more for Trey Young. So, um, you know, obviously the Lakers, one of the first teams mentioned for, uh, Trey Young, a team that could, you know, theoretically, uh, take him, but the leader, I think Stein said was San Antonio. So to pair Trey Young with, a, a, a defensive anchor, like Wemby, uh, put those guys together, that would be obviously insanely fun. Um, and I'd love to see the Spurs make a move like that to try to get like really good, really fast around Wemby. I think I even hypothesized that earlier, maybe on a pod that that would be like a fun thing all around. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it's, if it'll happen, but it sounds somewhat realistically.
1: So yeah, our very own King Chuddy brought that up a long time ago. Yeah. Um, Chud's obviously be great. And I don't hate the, I don't hate that. Um, I don't hate that for the Hawks either. I, I, Right. You know, I've never been a huge Trey young guy. Um, he's obviously incredibly talented and very good at basketball, but like you said, he's just, he's limited. He's not a defender. Um, Mm -hmm. they haven't really gotten better during his tenure there. Basically. I mean, at any point they've had some years better than others, but I mean, it's not like they're trending in the right direction. So he doesn't seem like the guy that you can build a team around or a guy that could be your best player.
0: Um, I and like also, I, I think, Deontay. yeah, well, no, I just Deontay. I think they uh I think the year that they kind of made that almost fluky run to the conference finals when they beat Philly in the weird Ben Simmons year, um I don't want to say it set them back, but I think it almost kind of created like a false expectation, and I think it made them think they were like closer to being a contending team than they really were, and I think that kind of set them back a couple of years where the last few years have been more eye opening, and they're like, wait, maybe that maybe that year was the outlier and we're actually really not that close. Um, so I think that's another thing that might lead them to be more likely to say like, Hey, maybe we sell high on Trey, get a ton of stuff to put about around uh, DeJounte, Jalen, Bogey, whoever else, and, you know, build that team a different way. Cause as, like you said, as good as Trey is, and he is awesome. Um, one of the best passes in the league, and, you know, amazing off the dribble and stuff, but it's just it's just hard to build a winning team with that kind of style that's almost similar to like the old, you know, James Harden ball, some of that Luca ball, stuff like that. Like the it just has to be so efficient for that to work. And like, we just haven't really seen it result in winning um, enough, you know, a l- lot of season left. The Hawks have played a little better lately, so we'll see how this shakes out, but a uh, pretty big rumor to be coming down right now. And obviously something to watch for uh, as the season goes on. And in the yeah, Austin. That,
1: that duo in San Antonio would be a lot of fun to watch too. I mean, you <laughs> yeah,
0: can,
1: you could kind of hide some of his deficient, uh, defensive inefficiencies, right. deficiencies with yeah. behind him. I mean, you know, if he's totally play, guys blow by him and, you know,
0: women, mm-hmm. and, they're <laughs> clean, yeah, right.
1: clean it up. Yeah, right I mean, it's... And it's with really fun, Trey's I passing, uh, I
0: think, would be on another level yeah. with a, you know, with a role partner like Wemby who we could throw it up to. Yeah. Like, talk about... It. Look how good Wemby already is on offense with barely anyone who can even pass him the ball. So, put a guy like Trey for them to play pick and roll around, like, oof. I think that team could get really good and really fun really fast. So, I'm kind of rooting for that. And again, I think part of it, too, is the Hawks bet on Trey and DeJounte working together really just hasn't worked out is they both kind of need the ball and need to play point guard to succeed and we've seen them both almost be a little better when the other one's off the floor so I think it was a good bid going after DeJounte to try to just bring in another star level player but when they both I think there's just kind of too much overlap and you're almost wasting like the two of them by trying to make it work so um definitely something to consider and again depending on this how the season plays out that'll be fun to watch so cool story um and something to watch that I would not hate I don't think for either team so the other uh, story that Stein had buried in that thing was about how LeBron um, and you know his player option that he's got after this year, a uh, ton of money, but basically was saying that there's still a lot of people who are questioning if he will opt out. And uh, I believe Stein said there are multiple teams in the league that believe that if they drafted Bronny, they'd at least have a chance to sign him this offseason. So, um, crazy story. Again, sure. Bronny still projected as probably like a second round pick or whatever. But I think this is, you know, another fascinating thing to watch for. I'd love to know what teams uh, told Sidney Mo that they think they, they have a chance of signing him. Um, and whether that's just total irrational confidence or um, not. But, I mean, I don't know. With the... The way things have gone in L.A. has obviously not been super great. I would love to see, you know, if a team like the Knicks, who's been obviously flirting with... They've kind of both been flirting back and forth, I'd say, recently, LeBron and the Knicks. So, um, you know, if a team like that goes out and drafts Bronny and then tries to, to make a bid at LeBron in free agency or, you know, Philadelphia is going to have a shitload of cap room. He'd look, make a lot of sense between Maxi and Embiid uh, for a title run. So... You know, one uh, one more thing, and it's always kind of LeBron thinking, hey, if he's if the Lakers aren't going to be title contenders and he can't beat the story that way, he'll he'll find another way to do it. So I don't know. Do you think there's any chance he actually would leave LA this off season to go play <laughs> wherever Brawny is? Yeah, I think
1: I think LeBron will do anything that he feels like doing in the moment, um, and if that's what he feels like doing in the moment, that's what he'll do. I mean, he's a very calculated person, also, <laughs> but like. Um, right. I mean, if he really wants to play with Brawny, there's. It's it's definitely attainable. I mean, if if you if LeBron tells a team like I want to play with my son, draft him, and I'll come play for you, like pretty much any <laughs> team in the league is going to at least consider it. But yeah, I guess I, the, I guess it's
0: just how many teams would he be actually willing to do that for? I think he'd have to have, okay. I think it would have to be a team where he likes the coach, likes the organization, and thinks they have a chance to win. Which I guess if. They're adding him is probably more teams maybe than we're considering. So I guess, yeah, you have some some solid options. You know, maybe going back to Miami, he's one of those teams. Maybe going back to Cleveland, teams where he's already been and won would appeal to him. And those are obviously both teams that are at least good enough that adding him could maybe push them over the edge. So who knows? Uh, maybe maybe the Celtics use a second-round pick on Brawny. I don't I don't think that we have one this year, and I don't think that's happening. But no, um, I'm, excited you know, to just,
1: see, I'm excited to see some team reach for him at the, in the end of the lot, late lottery mm. thinking that yeah. they're going to be able to bring in, bring <laughs> in Ron yeah. after that. And then he ends up just like staying in LA being, you know, 15th player for the rest of his life.
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, even. But yep. for a Brownie,
1: uh, I guess, I mean, yeah, paid
0: right yeah. Money,
1: but...
0: <laughs> yeah i'm sure it'll work out just fine for the for the james family so <laughs> got that at least um and the other kind of interesting thing going on in the nba last night don't know if you saw this one uh, but there was a uh, rockets Knicks game in houston very banged up uh nicks team pretty banged up rocket team too both have been struggling a little bit lately uh nicks mounted a big comeback uh a lot of questionable calls going against them for much of the night and then the big one tie game uh shot was blocked and then tipped out and it was uh Drew's brother actually Aaron Holiday who kind of threw up a prayer at the buzzer as Jalen Brunson jumped to contest and kind of uh bounced into him the side of their bodies connected in midair uh Holiday missed the three but a free shot foul was called with 0.3 left on the clock, Holiday made the first two, missed the third on purpose, um, and the time ran out, the Rockets won the game, Um, I thought it was, you know, not a great call, but I didn't think it was like an egregious call, there was definitely some contact there, oh yeah, and the Knicks had no, uh, they'd already used their challenges, so no challenges for the Knicks, that was the end of the game, Um, the reaction from Knicks fans and stuff was unbelievable, I thought, Um, insanely uh, aggrieved by this call that again I thought was a bad call, but bad calls happened. Um, you know, I thought it was maybe comparable to the Celtics game with the Buddy heel situation and whatever against Indiana and then the Porzingis foul. Like, you know, we see that stuff happen. I thought this was, like I said, a bad call, but you know, they had a challenge, they could have used it. They didn't, there was definitely some contact on the play. Um, I thought the reaction around Twitter and from Knicks fans was very crybaby ish. Um, and then I thought it was crazy that the chief of the ref crew for the game came out and Malloy right after the game and said uh, oh I watched the replay uh that was a bad call um two-minute report came out obviously said the same thing that it was the wrong call again I I was surprised they refs usually go to bat for themselves and I thought there was contact they easily could have said no this is a foul um the Knicks have actually filed a protest oh, wow. for the game which again I think is kind of more like loser crybaby stuff maybe just to send a message to like the players of like hey we support you but um realistically protests are only upheld if they find that there is actually like a mistake with the officiating which there wasn't um it was just like in other words they don't, they don't they don't win a protest for like a, the ref made a bad call and it was just like a bad right. decision. It has to be like the rule was applied wrong or something. I think I saw that the last game, uh, where like a protest was won was because the ref said Shaq fouled out and it was actually only his fifth foul. So they went and replayed like the 52 seconds after the out. So that's the kind of example it has to be where there's like a blatant error, not just like a judgment call that didn't go their way. So I don't see any chance that the Knicks win this challenge. I think they're just trying to make a point about the shitty refing. Um, but yeah, I don't know where where do you stand on this.
1: No, I mean it's it's gonna happen. I mean we've seen bad calls all the time, especially this year in the NBA, and it's just mm-hmm. like you know it hurts more when it's it sucks for the for the game at the you know, at the end of the game. I mean, it, right? Exactly. That happened, you know, midway through the. We're not talking. Ta- we're not talking, about, talking it. about it. But the point is that it was for the game. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, these protests. You know, you see them every, you know, a few times a year, and it's obviously, like, I don't think anyone expects I, to win I don't, a protest. Do you even day. see them a few times a year? I feel like not even. We had, uh, didn't Portland protest? They were saying they were going
0: to do it, and they had oh, an, they a, a much more legit right, but they didn't actually file it. I think they were just saying they were going to and then they didn't for whatever reason. But, yeah, yeah. So either a few way, people it
1: doesn't happen to, threaten to. Maybe
0: once get, a year, I'd say. <laughs> right. So,
1: it's more just, like, posturing, I think. You know, they just want yeah. to be like, show everybody how pissed off they
0: are, Be like, we're protesting. Right. I think it's yeah, the front protest. office showing the coaches and the players that they have their backs. Yeah. More than but, anything else. Yeah, you know, it
1: sucks. It doesn't matter who you are, like what team you are, who you're rooting for. It's to see a ref, you know, <laughs> put the make make the game about them, um, you know, unintentionally, but right. uh, you know, it's human nature and it's gonna happen. Um sucks yep. it, you know, the way it unfolded, but it's just it's just the nature of the game. Mm-hmm. Tough game to officiate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. And uh, the only other thing, really, around the NBA I wanted to mention was that, uh, obviously, our last time out, we beat the Heat. Really ugly-looking knee injury for uh, our old friend, Terry Rozier, and just wanted to clean up that bit of news by saying he seems... Luckily to have dodged a major bullet, it's only a knee sprain, so I think he's going to be reevaluated in uh, a few weeks, maybe a month. Which, uh, all things considered, seems like a pretty positive outcome. Oh, yeah. So we're obviously happy to to hear that news for uh, Terry Rozier, a guy that I know you and I and most Celtics fans still really really like, even though he's on their the hated Miami Heat. Yeah, no, he that did not
1: look good. Um, that was that was tough to watch. I was really, I mean, I think we all assumed the worst in that scenario. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, love Terry, love watching him play. I know he, like you said, he plays for the Heat, but I'd rather mm-hmm.
0: see him on the court. I'd rather beat him, <laughs> of course, on the court than beat of course the without him. So, um, of course, and we know how the Heat, um, we know that the Heat operate. That right. they are, you know, Did, they're gonna be uh, fine anyway. We saw tonight without no Rozier, no Richardson, obviously still no Jimmy Butler, and they just went into Milwaukee and beat the Bucks by about 25 points, wire to wire. So, typical uh, zombie Heat. Dark magic stuff.
1: Was that a must-win for the, uh,
0: the Bucks? <laughs> to in the park. Right. No, they got their must-win uh, out of the way last night against the Nuggets. Okay. So they uh they are good. They had permission to get absolutely dominated at home tonight. Not a must-win so at all. Clear, in the clear. It didn't. It didn't matter at all. Game. Yeah, they were in a can lose situation. Obviously. So that's uh more Kendrick Park uh, talk, guys. If you are picking up on that one, who? Called the Nuggets Bucks game last night a must-win for the Bucks and got uh, rightfully shredded by basically everyone else. So, Uh, but yeah, that's really it. Title favorites again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's uh, that's kind of that for around the NBA. Not a ton going on, and of course we will be back tomorrow night, Wednesday night, to clean up this uh, home and home mini-series back in Boston tomorrow night. Uh, obviously you just watch the Nets Celtics. So not a ton to preview. The only thing I will say is, man, it must be brutal for uh, a team like the Nets right now to have just gone through kind of that 48 minute battle against obviously this really good Celtics team at home, still come up short, never really feel like you had a chance and then know that, you know, not only do you have to come back and do it again tomorrow, you got to go do it in the boston where the celtics are almost unbeatable and with a well-rested fresh chris porzingis coming in yeah. to uh change the math so you can't even get ready for like the exact same thing uh, as you're going to get a different look and now it'll be chris Tapps, uh fresh and kind of dominating you inside and then the celtics will have a nice long uh, i think eight eight nine days off for the all-star break after that so if we can get this one it'll be 43 and 12 with a win tomorrow uh going into the break that'd be Pretty damn good, so any final thoughts on the, uh, the Bucks or otherwise, Nick, before we call it a night?
1: No, no, that's all I got. Um, like you said, I feel bad for the Nets, have to do the same thing over again, but <laughs> with Chris Tapp's Porzingis tomorrow, so... Uh, yep. I don't know, I mean, Nets are a feisty little team, so I'm sure they'll play their hearts out, but uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, good luck. <laughs> Well, good luck. That is a good way to put it. So uh, thanks, as always, all of you chubblings for joining us tonight. Uh, for another episode of Chuddy's Corner. Again, if you're not already, please go follow the show, subscribe to the show, rate, like, review, leave uh, you know a message for us anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, obviously the big two. Subscribe to the YouTube page, leave some comments, give us some likes on YouTube. All the episodes are up there. And of course, all things Chuddy's Corner are on chuddyscorner.com, the new home for all things Chuddy's Corner. You can find it all there. Uh, great place for all kinds of stuff. And of course, that's where you can leave voicemails. Thanks again to Dante and Lynn for the voicemail. He left tonight about psycho Joe. We love that. We love all the engagement from our fans again at Chuddy's quarter on all social media and on Twitter. He's at underscore Nick Marino. I'm at King Chuddy at Doug underscore outs is Doug outs. He will be back tomorrow night. Have a great night and peace out. Chuddy heads. Good night. Chuddlings.